Pushkin. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Here's my typical day. Get the kids up, hang out with my daughter, make her breakfast, go to work, do 10 zillion things like write a book and make a podcast like this, grab lunch, try to get some exercise, come home an hour before bedtime, make dinner, email, sleep, repeat. There is no room for error in my life. If I get sick or even feel sluggish, the whole delicate system collapses. So what do I do? I take care of myself. I drink less, eat better, sleep more. And recently, I've added a new wrinkle, nutritional supplements from Symbiotica. I take them in the morning. They prepare me for the day, make me feel better and stronger. They even taste good. To really focus on routine, they even have a convenient subscription program. When you start a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. If you're ready to focus on your health and feel the results, head over to Symbiotica.com and use code GLADWELL for 15% off your subscription order. You know, there's something about the Porsche way of doing things that just speaks to me. Take the all-new Porsche Panamera, for example. It's not just another sedan. It's a bold choice for those who aren't afraid to go against the flow, both with the car they choose to drive or the way they live their life. The Panamera redefines sports cars, comfortably seating four and proving that you don't have to sacrifice luxury for performance. Build your dream Panamera online right now at configurator.porsche.com and choose boldly. I'm standing outside a Sozo coffee house in a strip mall near Phoenix, Arizona. Perfectly blue skies, maybe 70 degrees, an imperceptible breeze. My producer, Jacob Smith, is here with me. We're waiting for the coolest car ever made. So it's a, hold on, let's see. What do we got here? We got a, uh, is it a Nissan? No, no, it's a Pacifica. Oh, it's a, oh, it's a Chrysler Pacifica. Actually, a Chrysler Pacifica hybrid. A minivan tricked out by the geniuses at Google with every conceivable high-tech sensor and gizmo known to man so that it can drive itself. A fully autonomous vehicle. Google calls it Waymo. And here on the outskirts of Phoenix, you can order Waymo on an app like an Uber. Our Waymo silently glides up like a spooky ghost ship and we get on board. So, hold on, we have this thing. Should we start the ride? My name is Malcolm Gladwell. Welcome to season six of Revisionist History, my podcast about things overlooked and misunderstood. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with a heartwarming story of what I learned riding around in a Waymo on a gorgeous Arizona morning. Me and Jacob, grinning ear to ear, bouncing up and down like little boys on their first visit to Disneyland. We were on our way to a new century, a new era 
the dawn of a new age. Although, I have to be honest, the future was not what we expected. It was better. Closing. Heading to Alamo Draft House Cinema Tempe. Oh man, here we go. We sit in the back. You have to sit in the back of Waymo. If we lean slightly forward, we can see the van's steering wheel turning all by itself. This car is not capable of breaking the speed limit. Well, I'm curious about that. That's a good question, right? Like, what if we had to? What if... Uh, can I enter like my wife is pregnant and we're rushing to the hospital? Exactly. Into the <laughs> I think the only things we could do is press a button that says pull over if we were scared or something. I see that. Yeah. What is a pull over? We do not pull over. We cruise down the streets of Chandler. Somewhere unseen, algorithms and artificial intelligences are guiding us unerringly towards our destination. The Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in Tempe. We approach a tiny Toyota with a student driver nervously navigating an intersection. Oh God, the irony. A human, a human learning a task that will within years of its completion be obsolete. In, its, in that human's rearview mirror is the future yeah. of yeah. That, we, must, we should yank that driver, the student driver out and just say, why don't you learn on, why don't you learn to type on a manual typewriter? That's about as useful. <laughs> Here's a Blackberry. Send some messages. <laughs> Look, there's a student. Loser! Did we realize in that moment what Waymo would mean for our future? For all of our future? Not yet. We were still in the bliss state. My epiphany would not come until later that afternoon when I found myself sprinting desperately alongside our Waymo. Let's go, Waymo! While Jacob looked down helplessly from the back seat. Waymo doesn't know what he's doing. Actually, Waymo knows what he's doing. He doesn't know what I'm doing. We'll come back to this, I promise. He thinks he's gotten away from me. Not so fast, my friend! Have you ever watched videos from tech conferences like TED? The Signature TED Conference is an annual gathering of people who are excited about technology, talking to people who are excited about technology, about how exciting technology is. You know the type. Turtlenecks, way into Bitcoin, picture of Elon Musk on the home screen of their iPhone 12 Pro Max. So in 1885, Carl Benz invented the automobile. Later that year, he took it out for the first public test drive and, true story, crashed into a wall. TED conferences always have at least one speaker gliding across the stage, clicking through PowerPoints on the future of the automobile. For the last 130 years, we've been working around that least reliable part of the car, the driver. We may be the last generation to own cars. Our kids and grandkids, they may never have to learn to drive. They may never have to worry about driving around and looking for parking, or speeding tickets, or drunk driving. And the best part is, they could go their entire life without ever seeing a car accident. Driverless cars are being touted as one of the most disruptive technologies of our time. 
Are you skeptical? I know some of you are. While Jacob and I were cruising around the suburbs of Phoenix, I took a video from the backseat of our Waymo, of the steering wheel, turning by itself as the houses and sidewalks whoosh past. I tweeted out the video and watched from the back seat as the replies flooded in. Comments like, I would be freaking out the entire time. Been very nice listening to your podcast. Your upcoming demise is a great loss. This will all end in tears. A lot of people are frightened by the idea of a self-driving car. But let me tell you, don't be frightened. From the moment we got in the minivan, neither Jacob nor I could believe what a calming, measured, completely zen experience we were having. Right now it's slowing for a speed bump. Oh, nicely done, Nemo. There's no way I would have, I didn't even, I wouldn't even, I would have gone boom over that thing. Waymo slowed smoothly for a stoplight, kept a respectful distance from other drivers. One time, we encountered a man in a wheelchair sharing the road. Waymo decelerated elegantly, gave him a generous berth, then cautiously pulled away. I also have to say, totally trust the thing. Like, I have not thought for a second, I feel safe. Yeah. This is a safe space. This is an automotive safe space. I'll tell you one thing, it's certainly a safer space than the passenger seat of my car when I'm driving. Okay, we just got, someone just pulled out in front of us. Oh, nice. Drove yeah. a, oh, Waymo anticipated the second person slowed right down. That was some great defensive driving. Yeah, we encountered some terrible driving from a, another vehicle who just cut across like six lanes. Um, and Waymo kind of unfazed. Waymo handled it. Waymo, like a pro. And thank you for riding with us. We reached our destination, the Alamo Cinema Drafthouse parking lot. We were so excited we decided to call up Sashwat Penigrahi, the Senior Director of Product Management at Waymo. We had so much to ask him about, like all the sensors on our minivan. So so we have a, a, we have a few. So you, you clearly on the dome, what you're seeing on the dome and, uh, at the top, that's, uh, that's where we have a, ni- a 19 camera complex uh, over there. So those are cameras, plus two, uh, two lasers. One is a medium range, one is a long range. The lasers are technically LIDAR systems, 3D scanners, It's what NASA uses when they land on Mars. The laser looks around and instantly creates an incredibly detailed map of everything in its range. So that can see almost three football fields away. Wait, three? uh, Three foot? That that can see 300 yards in every direction? That's right. That's right. Wow. Uh, So so we... Yeah, and um, you know, uh, it, it can become very helpful. Uh, you may have realized, noticed this as you were going on 45 mile per hour roads in, in Phoenix, the higher the speed, the longer the car needs to reason about is anything coming at that speed, right? If it's a yeah. very low speed, seeing shorter distances, okay. Uh, so those are the you know medium and long range riders and that's why they're placed atop as well because you, know, you, you need a wider range view. Mm-hmm. They're very well complemented by those smaller spinning things you must have seen on the sides of the cars. Yeah. And so that helps, for example, uh, imagine you were in a busy parking lot uh, in front of a Costco or a Walmart. Cars are parked very close to each other. He went on, sensors on the back, radar on the side, microphones to pick up things like a police siren. I asked Sashwat whether Waymo had a blind spot, like anything it couldn't see. One clarification, Malcolm. When you said blind spot, did you mean the the classical blind spot in our human driving? You know, for example, you're you're trained when you get your driving license to not just rely on your side camera, you just check. No, absolutely not. So that we do not have. Absolutely not. Waymo has no blind spots. 
Arizona has the dubious distinction of being one of the most dangerous states in the country for pedestrians, with Phoenix as the prime culprit. This is not a city designed for anything but the convenience of automobiles. Would a city full of Chrysler Pacifica hybrids, tricked out with radar, LIDAR, 19 cameras, microphones, and the ability to see 300 yards in every direction, make Phoenix safer? Yes, it would. But the future will get even better than that. Way more better. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Imagine you're part of a typical American family in the 17 or 1800s. After a long winter, you'd find the inside of your home covered in a thick layer of soot. Your kerosene lamps and your coal or wood heating system would have rendered your home in desperate need of a vigorous cleaning. And thus began the annual ritual of spring cleaning, which also included the very important job of changing out your smelly straw mattress. And while your current mattress most likely isn't made of straw, there's still a good chance it needs replacing. You deserve a Sattva luxury mattress. Sattvas are meticulously handcrafted and include all the luxury features you'd expect from a high-end mattress. But because they're sold online, they cost a fraction of the price of retail. What's more, Sattva will set up your mattress in the room of your choice and take your old one at no extra charge. After all, you've got enough work ahead of you with all that spring cleaning to do. And now, save $200 on $1,000 or more at sattva.com slash gladwell. That's S-A-A-T-V-A dot com slash gladwell. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was raised not to complain. I had one of those English, stiff, upper-lip fathers. He carried his wounds and grievances on the inside. And I'm the same way. It's very hard to tell the difference between when I'm calm and happy and when I'm teetering on the edge. Is that good? Sometimes. It keeps things calm for my kids. But there are times when we have to share our burdens and enlist the help of others in making sense of our lives. That's where therapy comes in. A good therapist is someone who can walk with you and make that load on your shoulders a little lighter. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com gladwell today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gladwell. I need to take you on a brief digression, away from the sunny streets of Phoenix, to a call I had with Roseanne McManus, 
a professor of political science and international affairs at Penn State. McManus specializes in what's known as deterrence theory. Why do some conflicts lead to war and others just fizzle out? If there's complete information, and so you know exactly how costly the other side finds war to be and how likely each side is to win if you fight, then there's really no opportunity to bluff and there should be no war because um, both sides know what would happen if you did fight a war. And so if one side is more powerful and they would win, then deterrence would work perfectly and deterrence would never fail and life would be really simple. What McManus means is that if I'm rational and you are rational, and I know your intentions and capability and you know mine, then we're not going to go to war. Neither of us can effectively blackmail each other or make a threat or intimidate. Under the rational scenario, if you say, I'll nuke you if you cross that line, I'd just roll my eyes and say, no, you won't. You're not blowing up the world because I crossed a line. But what if you're just a little bit crazy? McManus is one of a number of deterrence theorists who has thought about this possibility. By crazy, McManus doesn't mean completely psychotic. She just means somewhat irrational. What if you are possessed of, and this is the phrase she uses, extreme preferences? That is, that you really want certain things and are willing to pay an insanely high price to get those certain things. If you are a little bit crazy like that, then I'm terrified. Because I really don't know whether you'd risk millions of dead to get what you want. McManus says this was exactly the situation before the Second World War when the British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain famously believed Hitler when Hitler said he wasn't out to wage a total war. I'm going to have another talk with Herr Hitler. Only this time, he has told me that it is his intention to come halfway to meet me. So walk us through that scenario, that what happened there and why that perception of Hitler allowed him to get his way. So um, he's negotiating with um, Chamberlain, who doesn't really want to have another war, having just had World War I um, not too long ago. And he tells Chamberlain, look, I'm a German nationalist. The German people in the Sudetenland are suffering. I want to unify all Germans. That's, that's my mission in life. And, you know, I'll, I'll do anything to unify all the Germans. But once I've unified all the Germans, I'm going to stop. And that's going to be it. And I'm going to be contented. So that's his extreme preference. He will do anything yes. to unify Germans. That's how he's presenting himself. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it, it seems like Chamberlain believed that. He believed it at, at least enough to, to give it a shot and, and to make this deal with Hitler. In the world of deterrence, this is called the madman theory. McManus argues that people in any conflict may have an advantage if the other side perceives them as being just a little bit, but not entirely, nuts. If you can successfully convince your opponent that that is the way your mind works, you can get your way in a, in a negotiating, in a, in a blackmailing or a negotiating context in a way you couldn't otherwise. That's, that's your essential argument. Uh, yes, that's my argument. Now, I think it actually is rather hard to create that perception. Um, Hitler is really the only successful example 
that I've come up with so far. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to give you another example, which is why I called you. But it's not in your world. It's in a slightly different world. Okay. It's about deterrence, right? This is where we get to the heart of it. Not deterrence among global superpowers bristling with weapons. No, the kind of ordinary low-grade calculations we make every day. As a pedestrian, why do I not just walk out in front of other cars? I don't believe that they're, they might hit me because they're emotional or crazy or something. They have a series of, as you say, extreme, what's the phrase again? Um, uh, extreme preferences? Extreme preferences. They might be more interested in their text, text at, their, at that moment, than, than me walking in front of them. Right, so like, and the, so that's the reason most people don't jaywalk, right? Because there is that deterrence. Yes. Now, before we get back to autonomous vehicles and the glorious morning Jacob and I spent riding Waymos around the streets of Chandler, Arizona, I want to dwell on the issue of deterrence on the streets, because drivers are not rational, and I think we sometimes lose sight of this fact. I thought professional cyclists, of all people, would have the best perspective on the inherent craziness of drivers. So I called up Lance Armstrong, cyclist extraordinaire who has been actively sharing the road with drivers for almost 40 years. Cars freak me out. Being out on the road and, and uh, with cars and drivers and distracted drivers, it's, it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, Malcolm, I, I, I actually now prefer the mountain bike just so I can be totally away from cars. Yeah. And if, and if I'm given a choice on my road bike, if I'm going down a road and I see that there's a bike path, even if there's people with baby strollers and walkers and dogs, I always take the bike path. I just, I don't want to have to think about, you know, cars and, and, and people checking out their cell phone or having, having a few cocktails and they freak me out. This is Lance Armstrong, a man so utterly and completely badass that he would happily go out on a bike for 100-plus miles in the middle of the southern French summer, riding at insane speeds up and down massive mountains. I'm a runner. I think runners are the greatest thing ever. We're not as tough as cyclists. Not even close. But even Lance, badass Lance, is so scared of drivers that he would rather mountain bike or take the bike path with the parents and the dogs. Have you ever been hit by a car? Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, many times. How many times? <laughs> How many times? Oh, well, I say many times. I mean, probably, look, we, getting hit once is, is too many. Um, I, I'm probably right around five. The, the two worst ones are, was when I was young. I, I, I ran a yellow light on my bike in, in outside of Dallas and the suburbs where I grew up. And I got to the intersection and it turned yellow. I was like, I got this. Well, I made it five of the six lanes and the sixth lane a lady was coming and just hit me straight from the sides. And I was banged up, but, but okay. Then there was the time he was bombing down some empty French country road. Hadn't seen a car in an hour. Well, shit, sure enough, come around the corner and this old farmer just coming the other way and just, I clipped right the front and I, and I, uh, cracked two vertebra. You could be dead. W- well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Next, I called up Jonathan Vauders, another former professional cyclist. He and Lance were teammates at one point. I wanted to make sure Lance wasn't an exception. No. 
Vauders, just as terrified. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first driver I fear the most is just, is, you know, someone who's not paying attention. For whatever reason that is, they're reaching for a hamburger, they're texting on their phone, they're arguing with their kid, whatever it is, they're distracted and they basically just sort of weave into you. This is one reason that actually when I teach people how to ride in traffic, I often teach them to ride actually further out. If you're further out in the road, it actually forces you into the line of vision of the driver. The second type of driver that I fear uh, is just angry. Um, they don't want you there. As a cyclist, they feel that the road is theirs um, and that you are impeding their progress to getting to their destination. And they want to run you over. Um, and maybe they realize, oh, there, there's, you know, there are consequences for me running over this cyclist, but they're viewing you as essentially like subhuman. The willingness to risk killing a cyclist because they might slow you down for a few seconds is, of course, the textbook definition of an extreme preference. There's a multi-billion dollar industry, I should say, built upon fear of traffic. Peloton, Zwift, these are you know, in home riding a bike and whatever pieces of equipment, hardware, software that, that are entirely a result of people being afraid to ride in traffic. To Vauders, riding a stationary bicycle makes no sense. I mean, why would you do that? The whole point of riding a bike is the thrill of movement, the wind in your hair, the adventure of going somewhere. But millions of Americans only feel truly safe pedaling in their basements. To me, the only possible explanation for that, well, there are two possible explanations, that society as a whole has gone insane, or that people are just, you know, that they're afraid of traffic and afraid of cars, which quite logically, you know, makes sense that they would, yeah, so I don't, I don't think we've gone insane yet. There is a reason why, when you drive down the street, cyclists and runners and pedestrians aren't inundating you, competing for the road. They're afraid of you. You. And why are they afraid? Because you're nuts. And in any confrontation, the madman has the upper hand. All drivers are nuts, with one exception. Waymo. Waymo doesn't have emotions. Waymo doesn't text. Waymo doesn't eat a burger and drive with his knees. Waymo doesn't get angry if you behave like an idiot. Waymo doesn't give you the finger. Waymo doesn't do road rage. Waymo wants to live and let live. Waymo is your grandmother, only with lightning reflexes and perfect vision to 300 yards. In a world of Waymos, cars aren't the madmen anymore. But if cars aren't the madmen, guess who gets to be crazy? The answer is obvious, my friends. We do. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles, and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you're as old as I am, I don't know if you know this, but I'm really, really old. I used to write on a typewriter. That's how old I am. Anyway, if you're as old as I am, you have to take care of yourself. There's no time to waste. I watch what I eat. I have a routine to get a good night's sleep that's like a pilot preparing to take off. I have a checklist, engine light, flaps. And you know what else I do now? I take Symbiotica nutritional supplements every day. They're delivered to my doorstep every month with a handy subscription, and they taste good, which I can't say about almost any other nutritional supplement. Symbiotica is a health and wellness brand that creates the most innovative and powerful supplements on the market. Each carefully formulated, ingredients sourced from all around the world, they have an expert team of researchers who combine modern medicine and Eastern practices for whole body support. So whether your health goals are to improve sleep, reduce stress, or just support your overall well-being, Symbiotica's got you covered. If you're ready to focus on your health and feel the results, head over to symbiotica.com and use code GLADWELL for 15% off your subscription order. I want to talk about making bold choices. Eyebrow raising, head turning, and often, why didn't I think of that choices? Like thinking you could make a car that's fast enough to race on the weekend and still drive to work on Monday. Or thinking you could take on racing's giants with a small, sleek new race car and win. Bold choices that would eventually result in the all-new Porsche Panamera. A car for those who aren't afraid to go against the flow, both with the car they choose to drive or the way they live their life. Now, let's talk comfort and performance. The revolutionary Porsche Active Ride Suspension constantly adjusts to keep the driver and passengers comfortable, whether you're cruising down the highway or taking those hairpin turns like a pro. And listen, who says a sports car can't be practical? The Panamera redefines sports cars, comfortably seating four and proving that you don't have to sacrifice luxury for performance. Build your dream Panamera online right now at configurator.porsche.com and choose boldly. I will admit that I was slow to grasp the actual implications of autonomous driving. I'd been too busy watching all those TED Talks, where the Silicon Valley types explain the self-driving tech utopia, where everyone behaves with the unruffled rationality of an engineering major at Stanford University. But one day I stumbled upon a brilliant essay by an economist named Adam Millard Ball. His paper reads like the academic version of the Hans Christian Andersen story, The Emperor's New Clothes. This was uh, framed as a technological problem. It was framed as a space where we just need to figure out the right programming and, and have a technological solutions. To Millard Ball, the issue with autonomous vehicles was people, specifically the people outside the vehicle. So if you're a pedestrian and you have that confidence that the autonomous vehicle is going to, to stop and yield to you as legally it, it should, then there's nothing to stop you from taking that right of way. Pedestrians and drivers now engage in a dangerous game of chicken. 
each daring the other to do something stupid. But if Waymo takes over, the rules of that game change. If you know that the other player is much more cautious and is likely to, to follow the rules, then you're going to win. Um, when you're playing chicken, it helps to be the, the most crazy player in the game. Yeah. So the roles have reversed in a certain way, that it used to be the, the thing that puts fear into your heart as a pedestrian is the unknown preferences and the unpredictability of the driver. But now we've flipped it. The driver has become, the car has become entirely sane and rational. It's, it's preferences, right? And and that allows you to be unpredictable as a pedestrian. Absolutely. And it gives you an incentive to be seen to be unpredictable. Wait, that, that line. Hold on. That's lovely. Explain that. Why does it give you an incentive to be to be seen as unpredictable? The more unpredictable you seem, so the more you could behave like you're intoxicated or distracted, um, then be it's equivalent of being a a five-year-old child on the street. The autonomous vehicle is likely to, to recognize that unpredictability and be more cautious accordingly. Oh, I see. It's in my interest to be as flagrant in my unpredictability as possible because I don't want to be so subtle that the car doesn't pick it up. I want to make sure that if I'm going to transgress the rules of the road, I should do so as flagrantly and flamboyantly as I can. You need to be obvious about it, absolutely. If, if we imagine, if we wave a wand and we say, tomorrow, every car in New York City or London will be autonomous. Doesn't that mean that we have immediate gridlock? Or at least once pedestrians catch on to their newfound power, how on earth do cars move around a city? That's a great question. And I'm not sure that they do. And I'm not sure either that that's a completely bad outcome. Not a completely bad outcome? It's a fantastic outcome. The experts have thrown in the towel, given up on rational city streets where algorithms and sensors and LIDAR create perfect order out of disorder. No, they're saying the future is mayhem, and I'm not sure that's a completely bad outcome. Kids can play stickball on the streets of New York City again, like they did in the 1920s. Cyclists can ride in packs down the middle of the interstate. You spot a friend on the other side of the street and you shout out, hey, and you impulsively run across the street, across multiple lanes of traffic, and you give them a big hug. My running club meets on a crowded track on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, where speedy runners compete with errant soccer balls and children running free and old folks out for a ramble. 50 yards away is the FDR Drive, wide, undulating ribbons of smooth, inviting blacktop. In the autonomous future, we are totally going to do our workouts on the FDR at rush hour. A hundred of us and the Waymos will sit patiently until we finish. Do you understand how awesome the future is? We get the streets back. We've arrived. Please check your surroundings before exiting the vehicle and remember to close the doors after you exit. Back in Tempe, Arizona, Jacob and I are wandering the parking lot of the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, deep in conversation. We're not here for a movie. 
We're here to test out our newly realized power as pedestrians. And first thing we do, we call another Waymo. When Waymo pulls up, let's try and spook him with a beach ball. Okay. A beach ball. Jacob has one folded up in his bag. We quickly inflate it. But I could Here start. Oh, it's coming? Here he comes. All right. Okay, comes. Waymo's coming. We get inside the Waymo. Jacob stays outside, holding the beach ball. Let me see how Waymo responds to a beach ball thrown. This is known in the literature as the beach ball test. And I'm gonna, should I do a gentle roll? What should I do? Just float it up in front? Yeah, it should be like, full on. Okay, okay. Jacob doesn't hurl the beach ball at Waymo. He gently floats it in the direction of Waymo. An errant beach ball that retails for maybe $4. Beach ball thrown, and it stopped short. I might have broken Malcolm's neck that time. Waymo slammed on his brakes. Slammed. I, I was a little worried about you. It stopped so short. That was right. intense. Stopped about as hard as, you know. Which makes me like wonder, like, will it stop for, will birds stop this thing? Like, this is not the biggest beach ball in the world. No, that was a 14-inch beach ball. That was super impressive. Yeah. It wasn't a threatening beach ball. It's a beach ball thrown with love, not anger. Mm-hmm. Floated, I would say, right? Like floated, just gently, floated. gently lofted. And it, Waymo was like, this is not happening on my watch. I'm stopping this right now. Waymo was not going to harm a hair on the head of that beach ball. The beach ball test left us drunk with power. So I said to Jacob, I'm going for a run. Jacob, what the first thing is I'm going to do is I'm going to try and outrun the Waymo, and then I'm going to cut in front, and we're going to see what happens. Please make sure your seatbelt is... Jacob gets in the Waymo in order to monitor Waymo's movements. I do a few warm-up stretches. I'm going to um, run beside... I'm going to run in front of the Waymo and see what happens. Okay, let's go. Waymo's moving. Waymo's moving. Wait, where's he going? Come on, Waymo. Come on, Waymo. Stopping, starting. He's, I think I'm making him nervous. Come on, Waymo. Come on. Waymo doesn't know what I'm doing, and now he won't move. This is actually... Waymo is the most gracious... Oh, he's taken... Waymo's gone the other direction. Now I'm running alongside Waymo. Waymo's stopped. Waymo's... I'm making Waymo nervous. Let's go, Waymo. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm out running Waymo. Don't cut in front of Waymo. Waymo's come to a stop. Now Waymo is trying to get around me. Let's see. This is exhausting. Let's go, Waymo! Oh, stop him again. I'm gonna let him. Waymo doesn't know what he's doing. Actually, Waymo knows what he's doing. He doesn't know what I'm doing. Waymo's going the other direction now. He thinks he's gotten away from me. Not so fast, my friend. Waymo's now come back to a stop. I'm messing with Waymo's head. Cutting in front of Waymo. Wait, what does Waymo want to do here? I wonder if Waymo's angry at me. No, he's taking off. Oh, he comes to a halt. Waymo is freaked out. Freaked out. He thinks he's going. He's got ahead of me. I gotta catch him. Waymo. Waymo. Oh. Hold on, Jacob. 
<laughs> well, let me get in. Waymo! Stop! Waymo was the perfect gentleman. He let me be the crazy one. Remember this the next time some Silicon Valley visionary promises you a future of perfect mobility, efficiency, and clarity from the backseat of an autonomous vehicle. No, no, no. It's much better than that. It's me and Lance and Jonathan Vauders and Jacob with his beach ball taking back the road. I love you, Waymo! Revisionist History is produced by Mia LaBelle, Lee Mangistu, and Jacob Smith, with Eloise Linton and Anna Naim. Our editor is Julia Barton. Original scoring by Luis Guerra, mastering by Flan Williams, and engineering by Martin Gonzalez. Fact-checking by Amy Gaines. Special thanks to the Pushkin crew, Hedda Fane, Carly Migliori, Maya Koenig, Maggie Taylor, Eric Sandler, Nicole Morano, Jason Gambrell, and of course, Jacob Weisberg. I'm Malcolm Baba. Don't forget my latest book, The Bomber Mafia, which is an expansion of several episodes from the last season of Revisionist History. You can find it wherever books are sold, but buy the audiobook at bombermafia.com, and you'll get a bonus listener's guide, and you can listen in the podcast app you're using now. Awesome. We got our first response to the tweet. This will all end in tears. Oh, yes, it will. It will. But it not for anything. <laughs> now, let me direct traffic. Come in. Let me tell you about this hockey movement we got going in the back. When I say something, you say it right back at me. You say we're going to do it like this here. Ghost Ride the Whip. Ghost Ride the Whip. Oh, my God, that's perfect. Ghost Ride the Whip. That's great. That's great. Ghost ride the whip. Ghost ride the whip. Thank you, Waymo. You know, there's something about the Porsche way of doing things that just speaks to me. Take the all-new Porsche Panamera, for example. It's not just another sedan. It's a bold choice for those who aren't afraid to go against the flow, both with the car they choose to drive or the way they live their life. The Panamera redefines sports cars, comfortably seating four and proving that you don't have to sacrifice luxury for performance. Build your dream Panamera online right now at configurator.porsche.com and choose boldly. Here's my typical day. Get the kids up, hang out with my daughter, make her breakfast, go to work, do 10 zillion things like write a book, I make a podcast like this, grab lunch, try to get some exercise, come home an hour before bedtime, make dinner, email, sleep, repeat. There is no room for error in my life. If I get sick or even feel sluggish, the whole delicate system collapses. So what do I do? I take care of myself. I drink less, eat better, sleep more. And recently, I've added a new wrinkle, nutritional supplements from Symbiotica. I take them in the morning, they prepare me for the day, make me feel better and stronger, they even taste good. To really focus on routine, they even have a convenient subscription program. When you start a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. 
If you're ready to focus on your health and feel the results, head over to Symbiotica.com and use code GLADWELL for 15% off your subscription order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through their day. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.